Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. I want to read you a couple of scriptures and I want to take you through them this morning, which is um, not often my way of preaching, but I want to work through scripture by scripture because I believe it is a passage of scripture to prepare you for what God has got. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and I'm going to read from verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV. You can follow me. Everybody all right? Okay. So he's writing to his son. I'll give you a bit of background in a moment. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Father God, my mind is a bit fuzzy this morning after flying through the night. But Lord, my heart beats with just passion for you, your word, your church, and these beautiful people. And I pray that you would help me in my weakness come Spirit of God. And Lord, as Paul wrote to the Ephesians, I pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes, you would enlighten us, Lord, the eyes of our hearts that we would clearly see this morning. You would shift us, Lord, for your purposes, I pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, that just like Paul says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. Would you give us understanding this morning, Lord, that we would align ourselves with you as you continue to do a wonderful work here. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, Paul is writing this beautiful letter, and we're so grateful for these letters that were collated after Paul's death, and they were kept. Obviously, God had a lot to do with that, but we're grateful to the people who took the time to collate these letters that we now can have these inspired words to shape our lives. And Paul is in the final uh, throes of his life, is in the, the, the final days, weeks of his life when he is writing these words. We don't know exactly, but we know that he speaks about even feeling like a drink offering being poured out. His whole life is being poured out. And he was a man who set himself apart for God. He gave his life to the purposes of God and he is quite extraordinary in so many ways. He's under arrest. He's locked up. But in these final moments of his life after establishing the gospel through church planting across the world and raising up others that continue to do it, now he's getting to the point where he wants to prepare, give final words of preparation to this young apostle, this young man for what is to come. 
He's preparing him for what's to take place. And so it's a very personal letter of preparation. A young man who he had brought through in maturity. And we see in this letter, which is so beautiful, and I hope that you're one who reads your Bible. Thank you. I hope that you really do. It is such a privilege to have a Bible that we can access daily. Just want to say that to you. And in this letter, Paul is intimate. He shares his heart. He gives him instructions about his life. He reminds him about the prophecies. He reminds him about the great big story of God that God's come, sent his son to ultimately put everything right again. And we're living in this time of the church. And Paul gives him this wonderful spread of understanding but it's with such intimacy. There's even instruction about his health. There are all sorts of things. And there's this beautiful flavor of this apostle through this letter. Don't just read the words. Try and step into the story if you're able to. We're not to miss, brothers and sisters, the model that Paul is leaving us. And I know you've heard me say that many times, and I'll keep saying it as long as I possibly can, that the church is, is not some organization, but we're a family. And so we find this family letter uh, being written. And so I want to take you through it this morning and give you some instruction, which I hope will prepare you well. When I was with you last time, you were doing a series on identity and I actually picked up on one of the verses there. But I felt prompted the day before yesterday. I do apologize to a young lady, I think it was, who wrote to me and said, could you send me your scripture and understanding of what you're doing? I was on the run at the time. I'm sorry I didn't do that. But I was also seeking God of what to bring. But this morning I want to take you through. So let's have a look at verse 1 of chapter 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 as well. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In these verses we see firstly how relational gospel advance is. Timothy, my child. Isn't that beautiful? What words? The strange thing, he's writing to a, a mature man here, a man possibly in his 30s at, the 30s at the time. And he's writing, you my child, I've given birth to you, I've brought you forth. That language, it's intimate, it's true. And Paul had birthed many men and women. You only have to take time to read some of his letters, particularly his letter to the Romans, where many of the people he administered over the years had gathered back in Rome after they allowed the Jews back in. And he writes to them and he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. He knows detail about them. And then he writes this, he says, Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. So the first thing I want to say to you this morning, please don't see Church is some bland dish served up. It's full of flavor. And the flavor is family. Not an organization. 
And as we push forward, oh Lord, help us to stay in this place that we will birth sons and daughters. We will have these relationships that are known to each other. Paul continues and he says, be strengthened in the grace of Jesus Christ. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And we mustn't forget, brothers and sisters, as you push forward, because as I listened, Fuzzy particularly, I I had time with Rodney and um, JW. Um, I saw Samuel the day he got back, actually, because he was at Trinity. Popped up there, always confuses me when Rodney's sons are both there. I said, hang on a second, you look the same, but you aren't the same. Um, He had just come back and there was one other, I forget who it was now. Uh, Dave, yes. And they were all so animated and you think, wow, God is about something here. He's about a work among you. But here what Paul wants to say to Timothy, and I want to say to you this morning, is be strengthened by the grace of God. The grace of God is powerful. It is powerful to achieve so much in our lives. We work hard within the grace of God, knowing that it was a loving Savior who reached out to us, which keeps us free of striving, of trying to work out how do I, how do I please Him to make Him happy. No, no, no. God was happy to reach out to us. And Joel and team, thank you so much for the worship this morning. Just this last song I absolutely love about the cross and Jesus. And just that the stone was rolled away. Out comes a a risen Jesus dying for you and I. And the grace of God breaks in. Grace sustains us. And even as Paul's preparing Timothy, there's such a lesson in here as well for us where he says to him, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul has pulled his life into raising others up. That's what he did. And even as he's preparing them, he's saying, now you do the same. Timothy, make it a priority not to build Timothy Ministries International or whatever, Miracles and Signs and Wonders, forget about it. Invest in others. Take what you have heard and entrust to others. There's such a lesson in there that we need to be men and women who are worthy of being entrusted with the message of God. We need to position ourselves Avail ourselves, make ourselves available that we can be entrusted with the words of God to pass on to others. He's instructing his immediate generation to say, keep passing this on, the purity of the gospel. And if I can commend you, Fuzzy, it was one of the things that the guys really felt last week was the clarity of the message. Very good to hear. Thank you so much. You know, many years ago, we were building a church in Southern Africa, the very first one that Heather and I planted. And we put a lot of effort into raising others. We didn't always have the answers. We were finding our way in those days. But in the next town, there was a couple who had been sent as missionaries from America. 
They didn't believe in the works of the Spirit. So everything that we did in our church, they created all sorts of problems. Even one of our meetings, they picketed outside this couple and they handed out pamphlets trying to stop people going in <laughs> saying, this church teaches on the Holy Spirit. It's not right. And trying to stop people coming to a meeting. And um, it was very tough. But anyway, we, we didn't worry about it too much. Um, we blessed them as much as we could. And um, I remember one afternoon, the phone ringing. I picked it up. Was this gentleman, and he said, "Good afternoon, Stephen." He introduced himself, and um, he said, "You will remember me." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, I remember you." Um, I said, "Yes, I remember you." Um, he said, "I'm phoning to ask if you would like to buy our building." And I said, "Oh, um, you're selling your building?" He said, "Yes, my wife and I are returning. We we feel like we've finished what God's called us to do." Um, and we're returning back home now to be with our children and retire. And we want to know, would you like to buy our building? So I think, okay, and I would have loved to, to be honest. I said to him, what about the church? In other words, what about the people? Often we get mixed up. Church is a building. No, you, you're very lucky to move around. Let me just tell you. You're very lucky. Don't complain about it. It's a wonderful thing. It keeps you mobile. It keeps you fresh in God. There are a few nodding. There are a few looking at me dazed. It's true. Anyway, I said to him, what about the people? And I'll never forget his answer. There aren't any people. And I can remember saying, okay, so 27 years of ministry in a far-off nation away from your family, your children, ministering there. You're selling the building and there aren't any people. And I thought, how sad. How sad to end one's life where we've not invested in others. We've not left a legacy where we can stand back and say, look, you know, these are the ones that we gave birth to. Those of you leading city groups, do you know what a privilege you have? What a privilege you have. I know it's hard work. Did it for many years. Oh no, it's Wednesday night. I've got to get ready. I'm busy at work. You know the feeling. You know, is everybody going to come? And then the phone starts ringing. Sorry, we can't make it tonight. We've got this in the. Ah, I've prepared my best message ever and half are missing. But I want to tell you, it's a privilege that you get a chance to speak the word of God to others and encourage them. And I know city groups are not about one person leading, it's about community, but it's a privilege. May I just say to each of you, who are you invest investing in? Because if we are going to see God move, and I think you're going to be staggered by what God does through you as a church and through your leaders... You're going to be staggered. God did great things when we were all together in the early days. That was just a foretaste. Thank you, Jacob. There's one person who believes, but God loves. He's happy for one. But you will be staggered what God's going to do. Your message is clear. Your vision is clear. 
And so therefore, we need to be investing in one another so that as God begins to move, we can release people to fill the gaps. So it's not built on a leader. It's built on a community, a worldwide apostolic people. So remember these things. Remember then, firstly, that the, the, the relational side, that we strengthen by the grace of God. He's undeserved favor on us, sustains us. He sustains us and then hand it over. But these are the ones I want to touch on very quickly. Secondly, the main, second main point I want to give you this morning is about context. And Paul speaks to Timothy. He says, I want to speak to you quickly about your context. He says there, and he refers to, he uses this analogy, the first of three. He says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Heather and I were in Cyprus recently meeting with a lot of other leaders who do what, couples who do what we do. It was a wonderfully refreshing time just to be with others and hear their stories, struggles and breakthroughs and learn from one another. And I remember walking down the street one day and these two soldiers came wa- walking towards us, which is quite, was quite unusual. And they were dressed in their military fatigue or whatever you call it. And they stood out among all the people in this area of Cyprus. They walked through, the caps and the belts around there, and they they walking next to each other. They stood out. And here Paul is calling Timothy to attention. He's saying to him, Timothy, you're a soldier in God's army. In other words, you won under authority. But let me be clear, this is not a call to Timothy to set himself apart from the world. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about authority. He's not saying, listen, you're in the army now, have nothing to do with the world. No, the absolute opposite. You're a soldier in God's army for the world. That's where you work it out. One, if I could ask you, I need to think carefully now, it is. Friday today, so Saturday, Sunday is a holiday I heard. Come on, you can give a clap for that one, I mean, that's not bad. So Monday morning, you're going to be going to work. Sadly, don't worry about that now, okay. But worry about this. What if I could ask you just in the morning to say, hey Lord, won't you put me in my battle fatigue today? Because that's what we are. We should stand out in the world. Bringers of good news and hope and healing and answers to all these things that plague this generation. And so Paul calls Timothy. But the other thing he's saying to him, I want you to be aware of the context you're living in. And that is one of warfare. The Christian life. Some Christians get so surprised that hard things happen to them. We must never be surprised. We have an enemy. We have an enemy on our heels all the time. But that's why we need the grace of God working in our lives. When we receive Jesus as Savior, we also 
receive him as Lord of our lives. One of my biggest battles when I was ministering in Africa, to be honest. Receiving a saviour was the easy side. Who would like to respond to Jesus Christ who's doing a work in your heart this morning? Hands go up. I'm busy writing a book at the moment. and I wrote the chapter on those early days and it even surprised me as I went through my journals. 68 saved, 38 saved, 42 saved, 18 saved. I can remember those days of people just responding because God was working across this area. But it was a different matter to start to disciple so that everyone understood that he's your Lord as well. He's your commanding officer. And we live out our lives, as Paul says here, to please him. The way we live, our behavior, the way we talk to others. I was reminded of that last night because we got stuck in the traffic and I got to the airport late. I knew I was preaching. I was hoping to get a really nice seat. You know, all those things we wish for and pray for and think that heaven stops every time I get in an airplane. Anyway, that's traveling problems. And I get there and they said, oh, I'm afraid the flight is absolutely full. And I just felt my heart. And I think I feel like reaching over and shaking this poor young lady and saying, please find me a nice seat. I'm preaching at City Hill tomorrow. And then just that moment, just stopping and thinking, no, actually, I'm, I'm the image of Christ. Thank you so much for trying. Thank you for serving me. Really appreciate it. And you think, oh, okay, deep breaths here. But brothers and sisters, we're under the authority. We are enlisted. We're part of this wonderful work of God. The context is a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Do not be surprised. Jesus prepared his disciples. Peter wrote to the church and spoke about it. So we must prepare ourselves, but we don't get shaken by it. We push through, believing God. Is that okay? Stand firm. When I saw the pictures, and I'm sorry, when I saw the screen this morning, I thought, oh no, why didn't I bring those pictures on a memory stick? It would have been so lovely to show you Orissa and all these people gathering and their, their faces with anticipation. The memories of years of hardship and people dying. That's the context we're in. Do not separate yourselves from the world, but understand where you receive your commission from. And thirdly, moving on, Paul uses his second analogy. And this one is about an athlete. So he says, firstly, you've got to be like a soldier, Timothy. You're enlisted. You're under orders. You've been commissioned. You report to one who is faithful and true. And he says, so be like that. But also, and this is what I spoke to you about last time, so I'll keep it short and sweet. He says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Many years ago, one of the fathers in our movement, I remember him speaking. I was a much younger leader in those days. And he said, I want to tell you something about the devil. He is patient. And you think, the devil is patient. He said, he is patient. He will at times 
as your leadership gift is developing, he won't give you a hard time now. He'll wait until you are doing things where you've got influence, where you've got exposure and people know you. And that's when you're most vulnerable. Never think because you've traveled and you've walked, you know, this decade was great, learned lots of uh, things, learned a few lessons there, got through there, and you get into your late 50s, as I am, and you think, wow, I've made it. You only have to read magazines like Christianity Today or some of the others, and you see, once again, people of incredible profile being filled by the tricks of the enemy. And Paul is speaking to Timothy those very words. He says, Timothy, you've got to live your life as a leader like an athlete. He said, you've got to, you've got to run and, and play to the rules. There's a lane marked out. You, you're not allowed to touch the white line. You're not allowed to cross into someone's area. You're not allowed to go before the... The pistol goes, or the starting gun. Have you seen that when the Olympics comes around? It's one of the most frightening moments. You see those guys, I'll try and do it as best I can, rippling with muscles. You can just see, you know, they are so honed. They are ready. They're going to try and break that 10 point whatever, or 9.87, or whatever it is, 100 meter dash. They've been training their, their thighs look like my torso, they're just ready to go, and they're there, and the starter goes, and you see the guy, he can't wait, and he's gone. Have you ever seen it when they do it twice? And then disqualified. All that training, all that preparation, all that input, you're out of the race doesn't only apply to leaders, moms, dads, business people. Watch how you run, Paul says to this dear son. When I heard those words of that dear man that day, I want to tell you, I really experienced the fear of the Lord. And if one thing really frightens me more than anything, it is that. And particularly as we grow. Last year, this time, we were, I think, 106 churches around the world as regions beyond. That's all, 106. And I thought, wow, this is a lot of hard work. A year later, we were 176. A month later, we are 216. And you think, wow, this is cool. We're becoming quite substantial. No, brothers and sisters, that means we need more accountability. We need more openness. We need more vulnerability. That's how we counteract it. Allow people in your lives. Maybe here today you've, you've crossed the line. Maybe today is just to come and stand before God and say, God, 
please, Lord, keep me in the race. Don't miss an opportunity for that. Timothy, guard your life. Guard your life. And lastly, so he says to him, be like the soldier, be like the athlete, and then these beautiful words, be like the hardworking farmer. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of his crops. How many of you are farmers here? There are a few hands up at the back. I'm a city boy, or I was, until God moved us to the central parts, and then we found ourselves living on a farm. And um, the farmer who we bought from said, he, was, he was, had very bad health at the time, and so he said, um, is there any chance now that you've bought the property from me that you would take over the dairy as well? And um, I didn't ask what's that, because I thought that would be a stupid question. But um, I, you know, in my pioneering young 34-year-old self, I said, yeah, no problem. And until um, I realized how hardworking farming is. Because cows, particularly if you feed them well and they produce a lot of milk, they don't like waiting in the mornings. And so it was up, and Heather will remember these days of getting up in the morning and going down to the dairy. And we had some very primitive equipment. And most of our, our cows were hand-milked by a team. And we'd stand there and get them going. And I thought, my goodness, okay, this is fun this week, the second week. It was such a job. The third week was like, Lord, help me. I thought I came to church plant. And one day I'm busy preaching in, the, in our big shed. We were doing, God was moving mightily, so many people. And I saw in the doorway Joseph, and he's standing there, and he's trying to attract my attention. I said, what's it, Joseph? And he said, you must come now. Because number, whatever she was, sorry, she had a number, um, for all the pet lovers here, um, is giving birth, but the calf won't come out. You must come deliver. <laughs> Honestly, when I read this verse yesterday afternoon, I thought the hard-working farmer, I thought, exactly. So anyway, I go down there, and here's this poor girl, and she's standing there, what I didn't realize is that we had put a Simtala bull with a, um, what's the cow called? The milky one says Friesland, one of those, which you shouldn't really do because the bull, he's, the Simtalas are pretty big guys and this poor cow, and so of course she's got a calf far too big for her frame. And I said to him, well, what do we do? He said, you've got to go inside and bring it out. So there's the city boy, and um, I won't go into the details. But farming is hard work. <laughs> I'm the proud father of many cows thereafter, by the way. Before you lies lots of hard work. It's fun seeing the nations come in. I saw JW in from Holland, and he was... He'd been with you, so he was away from his family, home for a few days, and then he was with us for further training. And um, he was so animated. 
And then you hear about Europe opening up. And you think, we're not coping at the moment. It's hard work. We're going to have to do things we didn't think we would have to do. We're going to have to host and be more hospitable, more than we ever thought. I keep reminding the people in England, who wants to see revival? And everybody goes, yeah. I said, can I just tell you the facts of what happens during revival? And you see them, oh, okay. So forget about the football on a Saturday because there'll be extra meetings. Forget about this and going to visit your family and that because it'll be all hands on deck. Prepare yourselves. And that's what Paul is doing here. And the good farmer, and I'm going to close with this, he knows the seasons. He knows the seasons. One of the things we did during that season of ours on the farmers, we taught the local farmers how to improve their crops. We multiplied it greatly, and that's what we're doing in Burundi now. But you know the seasons. We worked it out. 22nd of November, in a few days' time, is the day that you plant yellow maize in Africa. Because if you get it in the ground that day, you get the most Sundays for the crop to grow. If you get it too early, it doesn't grow up fast enough and it finishes too early. If you're late, it's small and the fruit is still on the, the bush before the cold comes. So you plant on that day and it's ready. We as believers have got to know the times. We've got to know the days, the seasons. There is a seasons of great advance. The farmer as well, he prepares well in advance. Hence this word today is a word of preparation. Prepare for what God's going to do. Plant and harvest. It's hard, hard work. I stand amazed at times when I look at what God promised all those years ago and what He is now doing. I'm very grateful that He has kept us through these years without too many failures. There have been many times, which I'm going to do now, where I've had to respond to God because I know in running the race, my foot has touched the white line. There's been a little puff of lime chalk or whatever they use. And you think, whoa, 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 don't go there because you'll be disqualified. And I'm continually reminded of the great things of God that lie before us. But I also know that we've got to run this race right through until we reach that tape. Because only then do we hear those words, good and faithful servant. We run as individuals, we run as families, as couples, we run as city groups, we run the race as a church as well. And then we run a race as a movement around the world. I'm very grateful to God. But I do believe that we're in a season of preparing ourselves very well for what's still to come. And I want to just ask you this morning, I want to just say to you, are you well prepared? And if by any chance you're not running the race well, 
I want you to invite you for prayer. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. That's the first thing you've got to overcome. If you want the spiritual work in your life, forget about what everybody else thinks. I was in a conference once where there was a Heather wasn't with me. There was a word for all the women in the in the in the conference. Those whose husbands had not treated them very well, and they gave details. And I'm sitting in my seat thinking. If Heather was here, I know she'd be at the front. And so I got up out of my chair, and I'm a six foot two and a bit guy. So I can't hide away very easily. So you've got this whole sea of women, and then this one guy standing there. Don't worry what people think. I want to finish the race well. I want us to finish well. I want to see you come into all God's got for you. Don't you stand? Don't you lift your hands before the Lord? Jesus, thank you. You've been with us all morning. We've felt your beautiful presence during the worship and even through this tired mind this morning. So grateful that you never leave us, forsake us. And I do thank you for City Hill Church, Lord. I thank you for this growing community, not only in numbers, Lord, but also in maturity. And now I pray over them, Lord. As an older man, as a father among us, like Paul, Lord, I want to say, would you raise up many soldiers here this morning? Would we be a company? Would we be a battalion prepared under your command, your commission, not missing a beat, Lord? But Lord, I pray over us too. Help us to run to the rules, Lord. Help us to stay in our lane. And Father, I pray for grace. I pray for courage to work hard, to push through, to push through. I really do pray for it, Lord. When we have to move again, when we face hardship again, I pray, Lord, give us courage in the city to embrace all that it has, the good and the difficulties. I'm going to hand over to Fuzzy, but one last thing I want to say. If you're here this morning, two things. If you're here this morning and you've never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus, you don't know Him as your Lord and loving Savior, won't you come down to me and just grab my arm and say, you spoke to me, I'll know what it's about. Don't miss an opportunity to come under the the, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. He'll take all your sin and your shame away and release you into the life of greatness in Him. But secondly, if you know you're cheating a little bit in the race, you're dabbling here, you're messing around there, you're saying things that you shouldn't be saying, you're behaving in ways that you know you need to change, 
Maybe a husband or a wife, your wife's nudging you and saying, you need to go for prayer. <laughs> Why don't you come to the front now as we worship and we will pray with you. Let's all just thank Steve for his word. I think it was brilliant. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.